So I announced this morning uh, that I am suspending my campaign for president. Um, I will not be running for president in 2020, but I guarantee I will stay in the fight. Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. Breaking news as we're coming on recording this podcast, Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, is suspending her presidential campaign. She is out of the 2020 race. And of course, now we await word on whether or not she's going to endorse one of the two major candidates, Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. With me to discuss this breaking news and all the developments in the Biden-Sanders race that is now very well underway, I am joined by CNN senior political analyst Mark Preston and senior writer Zach Wolf. Mark, Zach, thank you for being here. Thanks, David. Thanks for having us. So uh, since you have the uh, Boston accent, Mark, we're going to go to you first on the <laughs> Massachusetts senator. Um, Elizabeth Warren, out of the race, what impact might she have with her endorsement if one comes? What guidance would you give to your supporters who don't know who to support now? Well, let's take a deep breath and spend a little time on that. We don't have to decide that this minute. So a couple things. One, uh, not surprising that she got out. Uh, when you look at the downward trajectory that she had from Iowa, you know, placing third to placing fifth in South Carolina, then, of course, coming in third in Massachusetts in her own state, you know, just not good for her, David, as, as we all know. You know, she could uh, she could help Joe Biden out a lot um, and she could help Bernie Sanders out a lot. The question, though, for me is, is that and you've been making uh, this point all day uh, on television, which is which is a very important point, even though Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are cut from the same liberal cloth, their supporters um, are concentric circles in that a lot of her supporters tend to be suburban white women which are turned off uh, often by how Bernie Sanders uh, presents himself. So uh, if she were to go to Sanders, he would benefit from her trying to attract those uh, women over to him. But if she were to go to Biden, I wonder if these women would be more likely to go to Biden because of the empathy. And and I don't know. I guess we'll see how it's that plays. It's so interesting. It's why I think more than any other former candidate's endorsement, I am most intrigued by this one because she does really have this overlap of uh, being what Ron Brownstein calls sort of a wine track uh, candidate in some cases with progressives. and, and uh, But then – she does also have just this suburban women thing, Zach. Uh, which of the two do you think would benefit more from a Warren endorsement? The consolidation of the left for Bernie Sanders at this moment in time, which would give him a shot in the arm? Or the uh, I think the biggest benefit to Biden might be that she didn't go with Bernie Sanders and therefore keeps him at bay. I feel like the establishment, you know, the the reflexive turn to Biden has been so swift and so complete that I'm not sure he needs her endorsement, really. He, it has been so incredible to watch the party, the establishment section of the party, you know, congeal around him um, that I'm not sure he's helped by her. I, I'm, I'm, by the way, as he likes to say, not just the establishment, it seems the voters on Super Tuesday coalesced around him as well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, that many of them are Democrats. Um, <laughs> so so we, can, we can we can view them that way. But I, I kind of think she's interesting in sort of this head or the heart um, you know, what what would cause her to endorse 
Biden right now. He agrees with her on, you know, all, most Democrats are very different than Donald Trump. But if you separate Democrats from each other, he agrees with her on very little. She agrees with Bernie Sanders on a lot of things. And part of that is because Bernie Sanders has borrowed a large portion of his policy proposals from her. We're talking about the wealth tax. We're talking about, um, you know, free child care. These are things. So from a, from a strictly policy perspective, it's a no brainer. So why are we even talking about her endorsing Biden if not she feels like he would be better to beat Trump. So uh, that, that, that's interesting. Or, or what if she – say that again? She's, she, she's politically shrewd. She, she's that's she's exactly one of the right. uh, most politically shrewd uh, Politics people. versus policy. Correct. You, you know, uh, David, when we were in – and Zach, when we were down in, in Jackson, Mississippi, now uh, this goes back a, a year. A year, yeah. A year ago. We, we were in Jackson, Mississippi uh, for a town hall with Elizabeth Warren. It was the first town hall that CNN did with her. She was very specific about where she was going to be at around the time that we wanted to schedule this town hall, knowing full well that for her to to win this nomination, she was going to have to attract African-American voters in the South. And she made a play for it. She realized that she wasn't going to get it. Now, interestingly enough, I went and looked at her age when when she dropped out because I just wanted to double check it. She is 70 years old in June. She is in better shape than I am, and I am 48 years old. I don't think Elizabeth Warren is going away anywhere. And i got to tell you what, to have her as your running mate, if you are Joe Biden, there's probably not a better prosecutor for the case than Elizabeth Warren is out there. I mean, I, she is good. I do think there is a political calculation for her big time, and I agree with you, Mark, wholeheartedly that um, – Unlike Bernie Sanders, who obviously is a politician also, let's not deny that, but uh, who is uh, relentlessly on an ideological uh, pursuit and and as sort of a leader of a movement, Warren has always, again, to Zach's point, yes, on the policies, that is where she is. But on her politics, she always wants to be a player. She wants a seat at the table. And so if she thinks Biden is headed for the nomination – um, she's going to want to be part of that uh, process. I, I, I don't know. I would just say she has power in not endorsing right now because she will be wooed by both sides. Um, probably even more so than her immediate power in endorsement. But I guess uh, our colleague Jeff Zelny was reporting she is likely sooner rather than later to come to a decision about. Well, I mean, look, look at look at her the end stages of her campaign, sort of in in a different way. What effect did she have on the end of this race? She single-handedly took out Mike Bloomberg. And at the time, everybody was wondering, well, why doesn't she go after Sanders? He's in her lane. She essentially, I mean, if if you look at it in a lot of ways, she helped Biden more than anybody else already. Because I don't know how many voters are out there excited to vote for Joe Biden. They clearly weren't excited by Mike Bloomberg. She took the guy out. But but she did. Absolutely. She did. I wonder if Joe Biden had the gas past Super Tuesday had she not taken him out on that debate stage. And the historians will go back and look at whether uh, uh, Michael Bloomberg should have done the debate, which, you know, if you're worth a trillion dollars like he is, I mean, why would you do the debate? You could just buy all that airtime, which is what he was effectively doing, you know, at the time. But by going after Michael Bloomberg, she was able to kill two birds with one stone. That has been her mantra, right, for years taken on Wall Street, taken on the billionaires, and by doing so, certainly helped out Joe Biden. What's interesting, 
is that towards the end, and, and Erin Burnett and I had this conversation uh, a couple of times about this, towards the end, she tried to have it both ways. She did go after Bernie in the last debate. It just wasn't really hard. She went out right at the beginning and then pivoted off and, went, and, and then went right after Bloomberg. So you kind of forgot about that she went after Bernie. But she did try to distance herself Policy-wise, she's der- she's definitely on the Bernie side. Politically, she's on the Elizabeth she Warren side. She went after Sanders, actually, on the notion of can't get things done. It's right, once, right. Uh, which, by the way, is the results versus revolution argument that, that Joe Biden is making as well. Now, what three— She would have had those same problems getting things done. She had no answers for how she was going to get Medicare for all enacted. Without or, a doubt. Or all those things. She was just a little bit more realistic— for how the transition would occur. Hey, wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait a second. She was a a capitalist democratic socialist. <laughs> exactly. She and I will just say her trajectory for the for this campaign was astounding. I mean, she entered the race with most people thinking she was damaged goods and that she her best chance had already passed her by when she chose not to get in the 2016 race and uh Donald Trump with his racist nicknames of her and how she handled the uh, DNA rollout. All of that was before she got in. And there was this assumption she was damaged goods. She was not able to raise a ton of money in the traditional way. So she pivoted out of necessity to this grassroots fundraising, which worked for her. And she was able to raise a lot. But then she just built. She spent all of 2019, the spring, the summer, the beginning of the fall, in this complete upward trajectory that was really impressive and, and built organizations. But then she just hit this wall. She hit it first by evading answering questions about how she was going to pay for Medicare for all and whether or not she was going to raise taxes. And she wouldn't play ball. And for somebody who says, I have a plan for that for every single thing, but all of a sudden you're exposed as to not having a plan how you're going to pay for this most expensive proposal, that was one thing. Then she rolled out the plan and it differed from Sanders. So then she was in a hypocritical position from her I'm with Bernie raising my hand on the debate stage on Medicare for all because she separated herself. So she she got herself caught between a rock and a hard place at the end of October, just as Sanders was reviving his candidacy after his heart attack. And it never was able to gain the traction. But again. Th- so explain that to me, because I have never understood this. The, the one issue I think that sort of undermined her was her inability to explain how she was going to pay for Medicare for all. Which is Bernie Sanders' plan. She got dinged for not being able to articulate how to pay for his plan, and then he rises. But he also borrows from her all of these other things, her, her pay for, her wealth tax, her child care plan. She, he sort of, you know, scooped up all those things. I have never understood why she got dinged for that and he didn't. Why? Was it, it just was the difference? because he was admitting that he was going to raise middle class taxes. He admitted that. And she was trying to avoid what she thought was a politically toxic thing to avoid. But in doing so, she ran into the other politically toxic thing of looking like you don't have a plan for something when you say you have a plan for everything. I mean, I don't think the three men here on this podcast are best to discuss the other factor here. Gender in this race, you know, that is the trap question for every woman. Uh, If you say... Yeah, there was sexism in this race. Everyone says, whiner. And if you say, no, there was no sexism, about a bazillion women think, what planet do you live on? Um, I promise you this. I'll have a lot more to say on that subject later on. Senator, She's the last standing female, 
realistic female candidate in this race. Tulsi Gabbard's running an entirely different kind of campaign. And whether or not some of the sexism that we saw in the electorate with Hillary Clinton was still also at play uh, in this electorate, even in the Democratic nominating contest, that prevented any of the major female contenders to really get uh, to to get off the ground as the voting started. I just don't know that we have settled this notion of just the sexism in the electorate that is still there. So the answer, I think, to that is that it definitely was there. I mean, there's no question. Uh, and it's going to be there for, gosh, you know, hopefully not another generation, you know, as I look at my kids. But uh, we don't know if it, in fact, prevented them from doing so. So so let's go back to Elizabeth Warren's campaign. Her campaign really, uh, it started peaking, I think, right around August, right? I mean, I, I, somewhere around there. But then it, it, she got called on the carpet when we hit October and it happened during, you know, it just so happened during one of our debates when she got called on the carpet for, for the cost. She was never really fully able to answer that. And, and one thing that, you know, another podcaster uh, has said about Bernie Sanders, Joe Rogan, has said, the guy doesn't lie. Like he will, he tells you what he thinks, and he and he never wavers from it. Now, I do think in 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 this time that we're in right now, if that actually has currency, given the fact that we have a, a, a commander in chief who regularly lies, regularly lies. So, so going back to to whether prevented or not, look at uh, she was a very viable contender. Kamala Harris was a very viable contender. They just didn't run really good campaigns. I don't know if it prevented them because they were women. I do think that that is an obstacle they have to overcome. But I think we are in, in, in this new time. And to your point, David, as you said at the top, she has an incredible amount of power now. Yes. Yes, she does. Uh, before I let you guys go, I do want to uh, size up this Biden versus Sanders race that is upon us. In the last 24 hours, uh, both of these candidates, I think, have sort of uh, laid out the arguments that they're going to pursue for the next couple months. Uh, CNN has a debate coming up on March 15th uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and it seems to me they're already sort of putting out there uh, exactly how they intend to debate or at least on what topics they intend to debate each other. I want you to hear Biden on the Today Show this morning with Savannah Guthrie. Let's talk about Mr. Sanders. He has been talking about your victory. He said Joe is running a campaign which is obviously heavily supported by the corporate establishment. What do you think about that argument? <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Bernie, you got beaten by overwhelming support I have in the African-American community, Bernie. You got beaten because of suburban women, Bernie. You got beaten because of middle-class, hardworking folks out there, Bernie. So that's the demographic argument that Biden is making. He's also making an argument on guns, uh, hitting him this morning again on his Brady Bill votes uh, against the Brady Bill, hitting him for his support of shielding gun manufacturers uh, from lawsuits that he has since renounced. But that's his voting record. Uh, Zach, uh, what do you make of how Biden is starting to frame Sanders as he's going into a one on one race? I mean, I I, I think the the calendar in the next coming in the coming weeks really favors i think biden and he's got this lead in delegates now and he probably you know we'll see what happens in michigan he 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 could have some some good victories in states that that have a lot of african american voters um states that bernie Sanders won uh 4 years ago uh like michigan so that could really i think mute this disagreement they're having but the idea that um I, that said, 
I think it's actually Biden that's going to see a lot more scrutiny um, in the coming weeks because in the in the in the last few weeks, everybody was talking about Bloomberg. Everybody was talking about Sanders, and Biden was sort of seen as a non-entity before this miraculous, you know, rebirth of his. So you're going to see a lot more of people looking back at his own record. He's going to be, I think, more on defense uh, than he is on offense. Yesterday. I think was probably the best day of his campaign for a while. Wow. So, Mark, uh, speaking of that defense, that is exactly what Sanders is trying to put uh, Biden on, on a defensive footing over a slew of things. I want you to hear how Sanders just basically like unleashed his oppo book onto Joe Biden day one of their one versus one race. Joe Biden voted for the war in Iraq. I led the opposition against that disastrous war. That's the difference. Joe Biden voted for a bankruptcy bill on behalf of the credit card companies, and that bill has done a lot of harm to working families all over this country. I voted against it. I walked the picket lines against NAFTA. I went to Mexico to see what NAFTA would do. Joe voted for those terrible agreements. I have spent my life fighting against cuts for Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Check it out. Joe was on the floor of the Senate talking about the need to cut Social Security, Medicare, veterans' needs. Joe voted for the Wall Street bailout. I was disgusted by that bailout. So the differences are enormous. So you've got Iraq war vote and bankruptcy and billionaires. I mean, he's just unleashing on Biden. So let me, uh, let me boil this campaign down to one word, fear. Okay, if you're Bernie Sanders right now, he is saying, if you don't vote for me, Donald Trump is going to get reelected, and you should be fearful for that for, for the future of our generations to come. If you were Joe Biden, you were saying the same thing about Donald Trump, but you're adding this in. You should be fearful if uh, Bernie Sanders gets becomes the nominee because he will not win. If he were to win, he is going to sell you a utopian bill of goods that will never, ever come through. Fear for the next seven, eight months. You And you are no doubt correct. They each make... Uh, an electability argument. They each take on that fear of four more years of Donald Trump and that why they are most equipped to win in November. What is clear from the voters on Tuesday is that Biden is winning that argument over Sanders right now in this race. And um, how Sanders adjusts to that and if he changes that argument or finds more success with it in some way, um, it, it to me is like one of the most intriguing things to watch because uh, there's no doubt that's what Democrats are motivated by right now is fear of another four years of Donald Trump. So whoever taps into that and successfully sells their candidacy on that is the one that is probably going to end up being the nominee. Zach Wolf, Mark Preston, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Special thanks also to our listeners. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight. So please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. We'll see you tomorrow. That was great, guys. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.